Hope you enjoyed the show last week. With me today again is our regular co-host JP. How are you mate? I'm very well thank you Johnny. It was a big weekend up the mountain. I'm sure it was and uh, mate we'll get to that very soon. Yeah I know we will. Hmm. Have you recovered? Yes. Oh I have. I'm not sure about the liver. (laughs) Day off yesterday. (laughs) And also joining us today is our new and special edition co-host Ashley Dean from Draper IT. Ashley knows absolutely nothing about motorsport and so we thought he was the perfect guest to have on the show to keep us uh, keep us on our toes. In fact, he'll be more than a guest, he's a pest. But he will be here regularly and um, every couple of weeks. But what he, what he makes up for is his knowledge of computers, especially in the PC space. So, you know, we did say we talk about gadgets. He's very good at making things that don't work, work with each other. And um, I think we should get on with the show. But, oh, boys, only fair I should offer you a beer. Now, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Well, what, have, what have we got here today? Um, uh, there's a Belgian beer called uh, Caparol, and there's an English uh, Ruddles County, and um, one called, uh, might be a bit darker, called Old Fart. Oh, well, that's got to be mine. <laughs> 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 Ashley, I'm always the old fart. Thank you very much. There you go. JP, you have the Riddles County. Well, you did come from there. Of course, it's from England. Oh, I'm stuck with a pussy Belgian. Okay. Splendid. Oh. Oh. So we won't be thanking Glenn today then. Cheers. No, we're not thanking Glenn today. Yeah, cheers boys. Thanks. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming and making time. So I suppose uh, what's on everybody's mind is... I suppose the success and diabolical uh, disaster for some of the weekend at Bathurst. Yeah, well, I think it'd be fairly uppermost in a lot of people's minds. <laughs> JP, you went up there. Yep. Ash, would you like us a hand opening that? Ashley's having extreme trouble opening the bowl. Well, I think he's going to break the neck of it. It's an old fart having trouble opening up an old fart. It's a twist top. No, it's not. No, it's not a twist top. No, it's not a twist top. We're all right. Sorry about that. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. I'm not editing that. Now, Bathurst. Yes, now you went up there and you went up as a bit of a special guest. So tell us uh, what went on, mate, and uh, how was the weather? The weather was pretty diabolical, actually. Um, looked like it was going to be quite sweet as we were driving over. Um, it was raining when we left Adelaide and it was still raining when we got to um, West Wylong. Uh, and it was still raining when we got to the outskirts of Bathurst and then it stopped. And it actually looked quite bright, but... Um, the guys had already had their Friday session by the time we arrived, um, and that was all held in the dry, so that was all pretty sweet. Uh, Saturday's top 10 shootout, although it looked like it was going to pour any minute, and we did certainly have a bit of rain here and there, um, went really well, and that stayed dry too, um, but it was bloody freezing, I've got to tell you, especially at night. We all got to the stage where we kept a spare jacket because we figured it, was gonna, it could only get colder, it wasn't going to get warmer. And that was like, when you put that spare jacket on, you knew it was really getting cold. So uh, we got to that stage. But uh, huge weekend, a lot of people making uh, a lot of silly mistakes. A lot of action where we were, uh, on Cat Corner, just uh, on the way up the mountain there. So we saw um, we saw the, uh, the Castro car, first of all, go into the tyres um, at that corner. That was Dumbrell, I think. Yep, Dumbrell. And... Um, a lap, uh, I think he pitted after that and a couple of other bits and pieces and then they sent him back out and obviously when he'd hit the tyres I would suggest 
um, he fractured the rear axle and later on the rear axle went and uh, that was when he wiped out on the wall. I um, saw just yesterday on the web that Channel 10, or rather channel, not Channel 10, Avesco has released the in-car footage from the digital recorders um, and it actually shows the tyre landing on Craig's windscreen, yep. which would have been um, a pretty uh, uh, pretty horrific for him, it <laughs> would have given him a pretty nasty shock. And I went back to have a look at a little bit of the TV I'd got thinking maybe I didn't have my TV on wide enough to display and it was because I was sort of hoping it was going to pan across, but that was a pretty nasty uh, nasty thing to happen. Well it was, when the hit the wall, uh, there was a break in the wall where there was some marshals and a TV cameraman, which was, it was just right by and close to where we were standing, so we could actually see the whole thing. And as Dumbrell's car cleared the wall, the wheel just basically bolted itself straight out of the wheel arch. And uh, the there was only one way it could go, and that was sort of forwards with momentum. Then it hit this other little short wall where the marshals were standing and flew up in the air. And the Channel 10 cameraman who was there was lucky he didn't lose his head, honestly. Well, it was that cover. close. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then it bounced off onto the road, and then the rest is history. It bounced back in the lounge's car and uh, smashed the windscreen. And much like the Barry Sheen control tyre incident of a couple of years ago, it rolled back after hitting Lounsey's car down into a little culvert, a little gap in the concrete be beside four other tyres and just sat itself down. And that's where some people come along and style it for a souvenir. Well, very likely. Oh, well. <laughs> John, uh, may I ask, uh, as I'm un uneducated you know, in motorsport generally, but you know, specifically with Bathurst, where is Cat Corner? Like in terms of the circuit, top of the mountain straight. Top of the mountain straight. So, so you've got start finish line, hell corner, up mountain straight, and then onto uh, hell uh, on in cat corner, and then you head up further. And it was at the top of the run up from um, cat corner where <laughs> yeah. You should ask that question every year because it depends on where the sponsors put their money. And so if they... Of course. That's right. Course. And I think it used to be called Bitchy Pave. Yes, Is it was Bitchy Pave. And then I think once before that, a long time ago, it was the name of an oil company. It's, yeah, it's been many things. And I did take your advice and put those uh, virtual tour of Mount Panorama up on the website, www.vhudes.com.au, yep. where you can go and have a look at all those corners. And, and that corner is a particularly good one where you can turn around and really see how steep the climb is something okay. And um, what, just approximately, how much would the tyre and the wheel, you know, weigh? Uh, Ten kilos for the tyre and nine for the rim, I think they said. Yeah, I was going to say about 20 kilos, I heard, yeah. Okay. And don't ask us about nuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite, I'm overqualified myself. What was startling to me, I think, was really how how all the game plans just went out the window in a very short period of time and you one has to wonder why did the why was the pace so strong you know from from the get-go on the basis that there are always always um you know safety cars and you are going to get a you know a second chance of a lifeline as i said like throwing it yeah as as i think brad jones said it boils down to um well who's got the ticket to the 30 lap race sprint at the end because mm. you're all there with the chance and so many people who you just went saw off into the bushes you know the sandpit you know early were there and even ended up in like top 10 like i can't believe that you know like breed and Clellan that have just gone yep. down the toilet on on wednesday on thursday in the practice and just didn't seem to have any sort of setup that was working for them with the car and like they came home seventh so it just shows that at the end of the day you know you've got to finish to be able to get there i think really and truly i mean and, and ellery as well the way those guys went 
the guys who were able to be in the middle of the pack in all the early safety car dramas and everything else and just kept their noses clean, kept on driving, didn't hit any walls, they were the guys who won in the end. I mean, not the guys who won in the end, but they were the guys who won out in the end because they'd done exactly that. They'd driven the traditional style of Bathurst race uh, rather than the, here we are for a quick 161 uh, lap sprint. And that's, I think that's just a mod a modern problem. Well, it's obviously a, there's a reason why it was called the Super Cheap Autos 1000 because at the end of the uh, race, most cars were going super cheap because there wasn't much <laughs> left. <laughs> Rust. Rust, <in>, uh, Rust, <laughs> Rust agrees with that comment. Oh, this is going, no, that's a bad joke. Uh, but looking, look, why, why did Craig Lowndes like have to drive at that pace, you know, and then and, 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 uh, touching the wall and from people I'd spoken to, they'd said look, he was, you know, a whisker off the wall every mm. time up there, you know, going for yes. Reed Park. So it just didn't seem to make any sense. But you know, sitting back for a couple of days, my theory on it is now that there is so much media attention, excuse me, put on all these drivers that they don't get the sanctity that a normal driver would have in terms of being able to sit inside the race car or in a quiet spot and collect their thoughts. Uh, and I have a theory. Yes, go. I have a theory. Um, it might be a little bit like the AFL footy, okay, because when finals are on in the AFL footy, it's Australian rules to be uneducated. Um, a coach will often direct the players not to have sex for four weeks, you know, through the course of the finals. Yep. Are they actually jumping off the line because they're a little toey for a completely different reason? Well, a few years ago, they actually did a review of all the... Well, actually, not a review. That <laughs> would be an unsuitable term. But they went to kind of... Yeah, it's... Um, yes, there could be a bit of pent-up fury there. Yeah. It could be. But I think that they're all being looked I mean, after... I mean, hot to cross or hot to spin? Either or. Either or. Um, the pressure on the co-drivers must be immense. I mean, you've got some good operators there, like Warren Luck, you know, who's also doing a, doing very well in the Desena car in um, the HPDC development series, but to have that pressure of having to come on board and partner um, Marcus Ambrose in the Pertec car, you know, and Marcus was <laughs> made no bones about the fact he wanted to win Bathurst, that'd be a lot of pressure going on there, and, 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 sure. and all the way down the field for, for the youngsters, and, and most of them have held up pretty well. because they did, I think they all handled it exceptionally well, really, they did. when you look. Because I don't think they received quite so much media attention, and the Saturday, Friday and Saturday HPDC race was, was absolutely excellent to watch. Uh, the Saturday one was awesome. It was it was very good. They didn't get a lot of attention at all, um, and, and that they drove all very well. Um, three and four wide, brilliant stuff. Mm. No, it was good racing. And I suppose we should just bring up the issue of the balaclava. Yes, the phantom balaclava. It's quite funny actually because we were actually up on the side of the mountain. We only had one little TV set that was close enough to the track that you could actually dash backwards and forwards and have a look at here and then. And there were a couple of guys sat on the back of this truck with the TV. And uh, Every time the safety car came out or somebody disappeared, you go, what's happening now? And they oh, he's got to go back in, he hasn't got a balaclava on. It was all very interesting. Um, well, I reckon we should just try and get a first-hand report about what went on at, um, at Bathurst in a minute um, from someone who was in the race and uh, managed to bring the car home. Um, yeah, that was that was very, uh, very awkward for, um, for, <laughs> for uh, Crusher. Yuri, who yeah. has to look after um, Russell and and uh, Marcus in his capacity as PR yeah. director at Stone Brothers, 
that uh, that he is a master of, of communication and he will turn a negative story into a positive story. I just I certainly hope that this hasn't caused any problem for um, for Warren Luff because it it could be misconstrued by people that he was telling a fib about the the uh, balaclava and you know he would have been absolutely like trembling in his boots thinking that he would not have been able to um, provide a suitable backup for Marcus in the car. Anyway, I don't think we'll need to dwell any further on Bathurst, but just while we're here, I'd like to introduce someone who's just arrived. He's late. He runs a courier company here in Adelaide, Red Express. Charlie Carlos. Welcome, Charlie. <laughs> Good day, Bob. How are you? Good day, Good day, John Peart, who owns uh, the Apple Centre in, in town, and uh, Ashley Draper. Dean Draper. Dean is in Plan is, yeah, um, you wish. <laughs> well, I get you a, uh, a drink, Charlie. Um, Mike, tell us what you thought about that. Uh, yeah, I thought the last part of that. Uh, you're talking about uh, Russell coming in uh, and a few other boys coming in to try and get their balaclavas on. It was interesting. I was talking to a couple of guys uh, yesterday and on Sunday night after the incident that. Um, it was interesting to why why uh, Ambrose got all the intention. Why why he first abused uh, poor Luffy uh, um, for not having uh, coming to drive through and not having any balaclava, of course. And they asked uh, Russell, "Have you got yours on?" And, and then come to the point where he had to come in. But uh, 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 Marcus, sorry. But then Russell um, was asked. They did a driver change, and he was asked to come in for a stop. And because all the broadcasts, all the um, uh, uh, channels are scanned and they pick up the broadcast from from, uh, from the pits. Yep. Um, Ross asked, told um, uh, Russell he's got to come in for a pit stop. Now they can't, they couldn't broadcast that. So if you if you tend to swear a little bit, it's not going to get broadcast over the TV. And Russell said, No, I don't need a pit stop. You're coming for a pit stop now. But I don't. You're coming in for a pit stop now. Oh, okay. Got in. Got out of the car. Walked straight down the back. Helmet on. There's a guy down the back waiting for him. As soon as he took his helmet off, got a car on, helmet on, they go, they go again. So, and I, so I think it's a little unfair to, to if you're going to pin some of the field for yep. not having a balaclava on, then potentially you should have got them all in park firmly after the race and say, as the drivers get out of the car, who's got a balaclava on? Because if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, really. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. yeah. Otherwise, you say, official warning, next time it's going to have to be on there, otherwise mm -hmm. you're going to get canned. Well, we actually had a guy up on the mountain who had a scanner and he was listening to the conversations and he actually heard uh, Russell's pit asking him whether he had a balaclava on. Yes. And Russell's reply in no uncertain terms <laughs> was, and this is the abridged version, how the frig do you expect me to, to suss out whether I've got a balaclava on or not? I'm trying to drive a racing car here at probably 200 kilometres an hour and I can't feel whether there's one there or not and I've got no means to pull my hand up far enough to actually put it underneath the helmet to see whether there's one there. <laughs> so, you know, which is fair comment. Yes, after all, that was, uh, it just got a little untidy. But, uh, you know, the excuse was, oh, we've got a gentleman's agreement not to wear them. Well, that might have been eclipsed when it was 145 degrees in the water bag. Mm. But at the end of the day, though, it has been mandatory for, for two years. And you're supposed to wear the damn things. And where would we be with the drivers in the V8 Ute series if that if that uh, had happened? Well, you know, good guys and Ute guys, you'd be wondering what we're after, buddy. We're safe gear. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't say that. We're all uh, we're all really diligent, and we all wear our gear uh, as it should be. So I wear my fireproof underwear and my balaclava and a triple A and Amex. Now, from my speedway days, 
I've watched two guys burn in uh, in sprint cars, and with methanol you can't see the fire. Mm -hmm. All you can do is feel the heat. And uh, one guy's lost all his fingers, and another guy's still carrying third-degree burns to most of his body. They say that uh, fireproof underwear will give you another 30 seconds. Your balaclava will give you 15 or 20 seconds. Your gloves will give you 45 seconds. And your triple lyonomics will give you no, no, uh, 50 seconds or 60 seconds. Now I figure that gives me 60, about a minute and a half in a fire to get out of the car. It's better than buddy 30 seconds in the car. Absolutely. And uh, the guys who the guy who lost his fingers and the guys who got third degree burns, they felt the heat in the car, couldn't see the fire. He was getting a bit hot, took his gloves off, mm. and his hands started to burn. Mm. Oh, shit, what's going on here? His visor started to melt, lifted his visor up, tried to get his helmet off, face burned. It's just not a pretty sight. And if, you, if you've been there and done that, you understand how, what the consequences are and how serious you should take your safety gear. Now, I was wearing uh, horse collars when that first came out. In the NASCAR racing, we used to pin our helmets to the side of the, um, side of the seat because of the G-forces and for accidents. And when Earnhardt went in the NASCARs, they decided to bring out the hands device for NASCAR guys. It restricts your visibility a lot and your maneuverability a lot. But at the end of the day, if you stuff it in the wall at 200 mile an hour, your head's not going to go between your legs and break your neck. Mm. So it's, it's a pretty serious effect, a pretty serious deal, and it's not something you should joke with, joke with, um, with uh, stuff like balaclavas and stuff. Absolutely not. I suppose we were, what we were pondering really was just why there were so many silly mistakes made so early by such uh, such professional drivers. Did you <laughs> did you hear the uh, the Brad Jones? Um, but I can't understand why these blokes are racing in the first lap of 161 laps. I passed eight cars and. Hang on, hang on. Where's the? What's the problem? Where, where, why are we racing in the first lap of 161 laps? That's when um, uh, Tanner came down the inside, got a bit of a wiggle up, and took three yep. or four cars out. Followed by, I passed eight cars, and I didn't have any trouble. Mm. <laughs> well, who's racing? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we can see here, with a racer in the mix, we're never going to get a sensible answer. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. But I agree with that. Everybody's out there racing. I don't care if it's 160 laps or 50 laps or 300 laps. They're all going to be out there racing because that's what we do for Christ's sake. But that's right. Mm. And, but I, I, you know, just to reiterate what we said before is that I was very impressed by the standard of the driving standards with the with the HPDC races, yep. and they were running very wide and very little, very little contact. Yet it just seemed to be a lot of blood rush going on in the main in the main game. Well, didn't the HPDC got red flags after yeah, it did. a couple of laps? <coughs> on Saturday. Race not race on the Saturday, yeah, it was, basically. They just got a bit excited. They uh, take to, to crash a half the field out and get red flagged for, to be told a serious lesson by the client, of course, or the steward to say, if anybody touches anybody else from now on, to be a special driver's meeting would have gone on. You both want to run? Stop taking each other out. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get a first-hand report from one of the mystery drivers later on, um, and he can tell us how he managed to get the car home to the end, despite all the dramas that they uh, might have had. So, um, any business? Any business? Oh, we're having a meeting now. I well, no, but I've done a bit of motorsport. We might move on to something else. Something we're going to do a bit of, bit of techie stuff. How's your beard? Well, we like doing techie stuff. Yeah, enjoy, thanks. <laughs> 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 My old part is, uh, is sensational. And Ruddles is as good as I remember it. 
For those who don't know, Ruddles County comes in this 1.9 fluid ounce bottle. Yeah, from typically, the UK. And where is Ruddles County? Oh, no, it's, uh, it's up, for, uh, up Yorkshire Way. They brew it. Um, but I reckon that that's just a receptacle the boys can use on the way home for the pub mm. to uh, save a toilet stop, personally. Yeah. That's enough for you, Ashley, on your, it was on your mod. <laughs> Don't even go there. Mate, right, so, yeah, well, any Apple business? Anything interesting going on in the Apple world? Well, there is, actually. There's a, um, there's a big shebang. Uh, it will be middle of the night tonight, our time. Um, so, um, 12th of October, which is today. Uh, later on today in the US, being that they're behind us. What's it all about then? Quick, quick. Rumours are uh, an iPod with video, video playing iPod. That'd be cool. And um, probably some of the desktop machines, due to the fact that they've been constrained for the last like, four weeks. Um, and uh, maybe even an updated or new PowerBook. But uh, that's all. It's all speculation and hearsay, and the rumour mills have been going mad as usual. And as we tell everybody, we don't know anything, we're just mushrooms. Ashley, I sense you have something to say here on the issue of Apple products. Uh, no, look, I missed it because I went to sleep. Um, <laughs> I'd just like to say that it's not our fault that 3% of the population create the content the other 97% watch. <laughs> so, like, get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> but, personally, I'd like to see a video come out and you'll get your moment in, in the sun a little bit later on. With, uh, I, I'm with perfectly happy, happy here with my old part. Yeah, I think there'll be some interesting stuff on tomorrow. Jobsy wouldn't have um, called for spending money at a lavish uh, yeah, town down there. And it's not that long ago since the Nano came out, and he's suddenly he's inviting all the journos for a fist up and dance again. Yeah, so it, it's not going to be something as light as a speed bump. It's going to have to be something significant. Someone was saying, I was listening to the Twit podcast this morning from San Francisco, and they were saying, oh, it'll be an FM radio. I'm like, hello, I don't think he's going to do that for an FM radio. No. Someone else suggested it might be an, an Pentium M. Apple-based PowerBook. Yeah, well, and who knows that that could yeah. be it? But yeah, it could be something completely different. You know, it might be just drop prices. Where's, where's, it, <coughs> where's, the where's this all going to? Is it? You got any idea of where it might lead to? And, and I only ask from from a business point of view because we've always been trying to try and bring people into my business and we're talking. very well for uh, creative professionals and it has a very good enterprise solution but 
it is it is it suffers the stigma of having the Apple badge on it that people do tend to put it into a different category. Unfortunately, it, you're right, yeah. it, it does, however, still it is still the only manufacturer that writes its own hard, writes its own software to run write on run on, on mm. its own hardware. The recent announcement was that Motor Apple was dropping Motorola and IBM chipsets. Well, maybe they dropped Motorola ages ago. Well, it's just they might have been using them somewhere. Yeah. And they are basically and now taking on Intel chips, which meet, which oh, is the basis yeah. of PC architecture. Okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean like you know everything a PC is going to be running, Windows is going to be running on Macs? No, that isn't the that isn't the plan. But um, the reason the Intel architecture is because the the chipset in the future will scale well as technology grows. So I think that that's what, what they're, you know, where, where, where they're trying to go. They needed a new chip to go to the next stage. They yep. came up three years ago with a new operating system, OS X, which has scaled very well there and is an industrial strength Unix-based Unix operating system. Now, without, I'm not bagging Microsoft, but at the end of the day, just because they're big doesn't mean they're any good. And you know that there's a lot of security mm -hmm. patches inside the thing. So uh, they both have a very good place in the market. The, the PC always be able to get the right price point so yeah. it could get out to market very yeah. well. Yeah. But it didn't mean, and we're, we're not, I'm not trying to get into a religious discussion about Mac is better than PC because we, we, that, that's not what we were talking about. But Charlie's asking about how would it affect his business and I, how could he go forward with technology and this is probably uh, not the, the forum specifically for it but we can talk about it at another time. I would see the arrival of, um, of um, what do you call those damn things so we put on clothing now? Um, yeah, RFID and RFID expanded out into a slightly different area where it maybe have a greater ability to transmit and in fact I, I recently heard of, of, a, of a, a beer glass manufacturer that was embedding RFID inside the yeah. beer and so once it got down to a certain point the girl came up and gave you the beers and I went that's a stupid idea because <laughs> I went up to the bar technology gone all wrong but Ash you had something to say there no I just no, 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 no. John said he wasn't bagging Microsoft, and at that point I looked in the sky and said, there's some pigs flying past, but um, sadly I didn't see any. Is it okay? And is that all you've got to say? No, I've got lots more to say, but... Um, From a layman's point I'll of view... Just, I'll just let the... From a layman's point of view, is it okay that, that we're selling holdings to the, to the mass market, to the general market at a price? Mm -hmm. but, but we're selling... BMWs with a well, that's that's the perception from the layman's point of view. But I mean, generally, if you if you take an off-the-shelf PC nowadays and look at the 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 processor and all of the add-ons, yeah. the Mac has actually over the last five years significantly reduced in price. Yes. So that yes. if you spec a, a PC up similarly to what you get straight out of the box with a Mac, you'd be You'd be getting very, very close. I mean, the the, the gap, yeah, sure, used to be a Holden to yeah. a BMW. Yeah. Now you sort of got that grey area in between. And I mean, Holden's getting close price, but not BMW quality because the quality yeah. in the high end Max was never there. I mean, it was the same quality PC. It, you know, it was just price inflated. We'll get down to the uh, lowest common denominator. 
All right, look, I think we'd better get back to the track of motorsport, otherwise we'll just lose all the listeners. <laughs> 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 we'll end up having two different podcasts. All right. I have a question okay. sorry, about motorsport. Um, mm-hmm. I nearly choked because I've been enjoying these wonderful... Um, John, what are they? They're like a little uh, tube. A little tube? Twiggy sticks. Ash? Twiggy sticks. They're very yeah, self-initiated twiggy sticks. Yes, no, okay. The great finger food to have with beer. They're much better than the kangaroo jerky that someone took to Twit in San Francisco a few weeks ago. Right. Got stuck <laughs> in all their teeth. Um, <laughs> so to use a, uh, use a Pauline Hansenism which is like, please explain, what's the difference between uh, all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive? Um, is it just a branding thing? Is it just a catchy uh, label? A, I it? Uh, to use a computer analogism, uh, analogy, w- in, in what application? Uh, if we're going to try and, if we're going to put both these cars on the racetrack mm-hmm. for the purposes of racing, um, yeah, it's quite, a, quite a bit of difference, I suppose, uh, because I have four-wheel drive, they have four-wheel traction, they can get up the line. But don't worry, look, you know, we're not, we don't edit this show just because the neighbour can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the neighbour's driving his car out of the garage, it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know, this is a conversation, as we said, it's, anyway, come on. They are, uh, they are a very good quick, quick car. Uh, a couple of years ago I drove in the Bathurst 24 hour and I, I drove uh, the Ute, uh, my Ute, in, in, uh, in uh, three races, qualifying and a couple of practices. I uh, drove the uh, Evo Lancer, four-wheel drive, turbocharged, uh, uh, independent world centres uh, uh, in a two-hour showroom showdown, and I drove a Honda S2000 for uh, four or five hours, no, nine hours, in, uh, in the 24-hour race. Oh, you've teamed up with James Brock. Yep, yeah, that's right, James, yep, yep. that's correct. And uh, the Evo is such a, the four-wheel drive car is such a incredible car to drive. It's, it's either hard on the accelerator or hard on the brake. They don't turn in well. They've got they've got good sensors. They've got good traction. They're just just about idiot proof. Whereas with a rear-wheel drive car with, with a similar horsepower or bulk horsepower, you have to be a little more gentle. You can't just jump on the throttle. You've got to make sure you pick up the corners properly. You've got to ease the throttle on. Yeah. Um, it's a marked difference. Marked difference. But a great car. Look, I've, um, we've got a, a call coming in from um, Paul Ryan, who's in London at the moment. Who, oh, uh, Paul, is he? Yeah, 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 Paul. Yeah, there you go. Well, he's going to yeah. give us a blah, blah, blah in a minute. You know, I, I told him to ring in at a certain time and tell us what's going on. Of course, he screwed up as usual. It was half an hour, <laughs> half half an hour, hour early. But, uh, which is I, unusual I, for I, Paul to be early. But just quickly before he, before he comes, I just thought we'd um, have a quick um, review of the last round of uh, A1GP. Um, the first round was pretty good. Did you see it on TV? Yep. Yep. Well yep. That was pretty good. And then last weekend there was the uh, Laos Salsa Ring in German <laughs> Euros Speedway, where we, um, we we changed drivers. Christian Jones was in there for qualifying and um, was not really as much on the pace as he probably would have liked to have been. But then he had said that he was more of a specialist over in the Asian circuits like yes. Sepang. Yes. And I'm a bit unsure about what's happening there and how that allotment of driver goes on. You reckon that's what it's going to get to? Specialist drivers, specialist tracks? We'll have a, we'll have a team of drivers and they'll oh, well, you do this one because you're better than me. You know, uh, like, like foot, uh, American football, you know, we'll just bring the defence on, yep. bring the attack on, bring the yep. kickers on. The Euro guys and the Asian guys and yep. the North American guys. In a non-political world, yes, but we all know that 
<laughs> everybody has to have their certain allotment of drives. Yeah. But um, for whatever reason, um, uh, Christian has got in the car and he's done very well. I mean, like the fact is, you know, he's, he's been there. And um, in the, the the Saturday sprint race, which was a rolling start, he uh, managed 15th. And look, to be fair, I mean, like he's probably not spending as much seat time in in, in single seaters as mm-hmm. as Will Power and um, and Will Davison. And Will Davison, as you know, there was with Cito uh, on the weekend yeah. and that uh, team and and then is um, uh, off to the Portugal round which is I believe on next weekend so yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the summer because we're going to get a lot of motorsports well, it's, going be, it's going to be interesting to see how, how we shape up and uh, in the big picture of things it's a, it's, a, it's, a world, it's a world race for Christ's sake and mm. uh, we'll just see how we stack up or our drivers stack up against the rest of the world now you've got the PKs and you've got a few other guys out there who are obviously very fast and very good and very, and very quick and because they spend a lot more seat time, they do a lot more track, a lot more testing, which we can't afford to do or totally. we can't do. Mm. So there's obviously reasons why the quick guys are at the front. But oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, we don't, we didn't put on a bad show for Croatia. And and certainly countries like Brazil have a much more um, oh. encouraging sort of structure for the youngsters to come through the sport than we do here. Sponsorship wise. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. It's yeah. Really exactly. about the money. Yeah. It's really about the money. And having his father there. And talking about A1GP, I noticed that. Um, the Australian magazine had this beautiful glossy commercial for the race that will stop the world uh, for the A1GP at Eastern Creek when was that? on November the 4th to the 6th. That was uh, last weekend's, I think. Really? So it was a national uh, yeah, print job? national print job, and um, I don't know how they managed to afford it, but uh, word <laughs> is that there's a certain... Uh, politician in Sydney who looks after tourism. Oh, that'd be Sandra uh, Norrie. And she'll have um, put her hand up saying that uh, we're the centre of the universe and let's do that. And I used to live in Sydney and I like Sydney, but I don't live in Sydney anymore. <laughs> and so I do think we should be having motor racing dinner every weekend. But nonetheless, I, I, I have some concerns whether the, that Eastern Creek is the right place to have it. And, well, where else in Sydney would you have it? But Sydney just seems to be overstimulated with too many things going on at the same time for a motor race of this calibre to be held there. But I, I certainly hope I'm wrong. We're not talking about making some changes to the track just before this race, because when, when is it? Yeah, they were going to move it to the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. November the 4th to the 6th it is, so it's not far away. Well, I can't bring up the FIA specs or to uh, well, basically the Grand Prix specs between now and then, so no, if you're taking the chance to run those cars on there now, we don't want it to lose its impetus, we don't want it to lose its, spectator, its, its, um, its, its uh, worldwide appeal. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't come up and we have some accidents or something stupid goes wrong because of whatever the reason, um, Australia doesn't want to be branded as, oh, well, you know, we won't go there no more because that turned to shit. No, that's right. Look, it's very early in, 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 the, in the, the rounds. It's four rounds out of... Um, how many rounds are there? Heaps. <laughs> Four rounds out of heaps. I don't have that information. That's this week's question. Email us if you know how many <laughs> rounds there are in A1GP. You won't win anything, yeah, but it'll be interesting. You can email us That's if you have got no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Email us if I've got no idea about motor racing at hotlap.com.au. No, it's, not. it's support or john at john at hotlap.com.au. Or charlie. <laughs> <laughs> While we're waiting for the callback from Mr. O'Ryan, yep. did you get any emails last week about last week's podcast? No, 
No? No, no one will listen to us. I don't think anyone. Are you upset? I don't think anyone knows we're here. But you will know more this week because in the last week we have now arrived on the Apple iTunes Music Store, and that's another a little announcement that that could be coming tomorrow is that Apple is going to launch Finally. an iTunes Music Store in Australia, so we can stop. Sorry, Sorry, can I have that word again? I didn't quite catch it. Pyrotechnic. Pyrotechnic. Oh, okay. And that would be really cool because, um, you know, I'm very happy to pay 99 cents well, for, uh, for a Well, you mean that was the one that slated back in February or something? Just so that you can <laughs> say that you heard it here first, which will be after the event because it's happening tonight mm. our time, um, one of our techos was on Apple's website this morning and actually went to um, the link to iTunes Music Store and there was a little blank gap in the menu with a graphic pasted over the top of it. Right. But in the browser, it showed up as iTunes Music Store. Yeah, well, I would suggest that we are going to see that tomorrow. So that's going to be very, very cool. But um, you will be able to... uh, Currently tonight, you can go and download the first episode of Radio Hotler on the iTunes Music Store. Go to iTunes select music store and then type in Hotlap and click on podcast and you'll find oh, us there right. under the sports section. Go to sports though, don't forget to go to sports before you do the play. Go to sports, but you know, we'll, we'll get better. Hopefully the more people who who, um, who uh, click to subscribe will um, be Mr. Ryan. We'll uh, get the podcast each week. Absolutely. Good afternoon, Mr. Ryan. Good afternoon, Radio Hotlap. Hey. Hey, how are you, Pierre? Very well indeed. Good. Well, Paul, with us, with us this afternoon, we've got uh, JP from the Apple Centre Adelaide and Charlie Kovacs from Red Express, who drives the number 69 uh, V8U in oh. the V8U series. Hey, Charlie. How are you? Good to see you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a good, good talk at least. But <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley Dean Draper, the uh, IT specialist who knows nothing about motorsport, who's keeping us honest. So, Paul, what's been right. going on, mate? Mate, um International Raceway on the weekend and um, watched uh, watched a bit of the uh, the Bathurst carnage, uh, <laughs> bit of the Bathurst carnage last night, and uh, certainly looks like the uh, you watched um, Ambrose and Murphy. It certainly looked like Teddy's out the pram, and uh, <laughs> it was like uh, it was a bit like World Championship wrestling at one stage, you know. What did you think of the uh, the race overall? I mean, we were talking a little bit before that there were a lot of um, a lot of clever drivers that sort of made some dumb mistakes. Yeah, and, and obviously, like at a race like uh, at, a, at a race like Bathurst, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, you get the occasional you, know, you take the brain out, stick it in the toolbox, get in the car, and away you go. But you know, it's not um, it's not just confined to V8 supercar drivers. You had uh, Petit Le Mans, which is what, kind of one of the big sports car races, on just a couple of weeks ago, and you had uh, JJ Lato, James Weaver, and a Japanese guy called uh, uh, Shimoda all charge into the first corner on the first lap and uh, two cars ended up getting punted off into the uh, into the wall on the opening lap of a thousand mile race, 10 hour event. Mm. Um, you know, sh- stupidity is not, um, it's not just confined to V8 supercar racing by any means, but certainly there was, um, you know, old wise heads prevailed and you need a little bit of luck on your side because, you know, you can be the totally innocent victim. You look what kind of, what happened to Brad Jones on, on kind of the opening lap. Um, and that's kind of you know one of the one of the dramas that you know if you do end up kind of qualifying a little bit further back in the pack, uh, it's very easy to get caught up in the 
caught up in, in someone else's mess. But certainly, uh, it was certainly entertaining. There was no doubt about that. It was probably uh, Cedo and uh, and Jones's car to probably the two set them the favourites to try and take uh, to try and at least finish on the podium somewhere. Uh, Paul, don't you reckon? Yeah, well, it'd be nice for actually see that have a bit of a bit of luck one day, and um, you know, he was driving with, with Dean Cantor, who's a uh, an old GTP mate of mine from, from way back, and, and a good little steerer. And yeah, you just come and need, you just come and need luck. Um, uh, you know, Jonesy and, and, and JB, you know, they know their way around there kind of pretty well, and they're always kind of pretty much on the pace. But you know, if it all if it all gets upside down in front of you, kind of thing, it, there's sometimes not a lot you can. Um, not what you can do. Um, you know, I reckon that the real lucky guy was uh, was probably Lance. The fact that he's kind of lucky he's still with us because it's like if that wheel had hit kind of the other side of the uh, the other side of the car where he was sitting, um, you know, with bits of uh, bits of Dumbrell's suspension bits probably still hanging off it. You know, that could have been uh, that could have been really nasty. But yeah, you know, I think it's but, a, but, but uh, those boys are in for for a rather chilly rest of the afternoon. Although uh, although the root, the rear downfalls on the thing probably went through the roof as you got you know, much better airflow through to the rear wing then. But you've got to remember that Ivo Moore did win the Andros uh, Trophy ice racing uh, for year after year. So, like, you know, he should be no And he does live over here in England, so he's not unaccustomed to, uh, or he races over here in England, so he's not totally unaccustomed to freezing his backside off. So. And he is a bit of a filthy Frenchman. And I think um, Lounsey was actually heard to say at some stage during the TV uh, broadcast that uh, at least it will stop him whinging about how friggin' hot it is in the car. <laughs> exactly. Paul, for, exactly. Those, for those who haven't been to Petit Le Mans, um, and I have been lucky enough to, to go to the event with you and, and Oz um, a few years ago, it's, um, it's a, a track that has a lot of similarities in, in terms of uh, terrain to Bathurst. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, it's got it's got kind of a couple of similarities, but uh, you know, Bathurst is um, Bathurst is, is kind of pretty pretty unique. There's um, you know, there's the downhill run kind of through the S's um, at uh, at Petit is you know is, is a pretty kind of trick piece of racetrack. It's it's a lot smaller and uh, pretty unique, and but there are some, some kind of some pretty dangerous. Um, Yeah. 
180 mile an hour is uh, 300 k's, I think. So that's sort of pretty equivalent to uh, um, Conrad uh, coming through the track. Yeah, it's, I not as, it's, it's not as long as uh, as what it is at Bathurst, but of course the sports cars are uh, uh, kind of significantly kind of quicker because they, um, you know, the big thing is they're so much lighter. You know, only kind of 900 kilos. So, yeah. Um, yeah. A bit like a Ute. Um, actually run by Roger Penske. Um, so that's going to be an interesting um, 
That looks really good, Paul. We've, I've seen the photos this week of the, of the DHL, DHL yellow colours, um, and it looks like a pretty car. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. They have they were supposed to originally debut it at Petit Le Mans, um, uh, Petit Le Mans last um, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, they had they have a few testing problems with transmissions and, and stuff like that, so they have delayed it to uh, Laguna Seca this week. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how it performs and the. The consensus is that this year and next year it will run as a P2 car um, as an official factory entry um, with a view to graduating to an outright P1 car the following year. Now, it's not beyond the realm that a P2 car could still win the race win the race outright. It'll be interesting to see exactly kind of what, what kind of times it turns uh, next week. But graduating to a, a, an outright P1 car in... 2007, um, and then the P2 car would then become the customer car. Um, and of course, you know, you think kind of back in the days of the you know, mid 80s when when Vern Schuppen and those guys were kind of running around in Porsches, like the the, the 956 kind of factory uh, the customer type cars. You know, you'd have a, you'd have 10 or 12 of them at Le Mans each year, kind of thing. Um, and if if Porsche come back, you know, they really need to be in the kind of the prototype class you've seen Audi kind of dominate over the past five or six years and. Um, you know, Porsche could be the next guys to, to come on in and, and rule the roost. Where does Audi start to go from here, mate? With uh, the R8 coming to the end of its life? Well, the R8's at the end of at the end of its life. I, there is a new car coming out. It's coming out next year, I believe. I think I think it's actually going to be called an R10. For some reason, I think they're going to skip the nine version, and it is going to be a diesel-powered car, which is going to be which is going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, Audi's kind of very big on on taking the the technology kind of developed for for racing and then kind of transferring it through to their kind of road car division. Um, the big thing that they've been kind of pushing um, out of um, out of the R8 has been this uh, what they call the FSI. Um, it's like an electronic kind of fuel injection type thing, which saves uh, saves a little bit of fuel. Because at Le Mans, if you do because because the circuit's so long. Um, you have eight and a half miles, 13 kilometres around. Um, if you're able to squeak out an extra lap, uh, you're just basically kind of like almost an extra four minutes. Um, over the period of a 24-hour race, you can save a huge, if you can save one pit stop, it's kind of a huge amount of time. Now, with the diesel, you'll be able to go considerably longer. The car may be a little bit, uh, the car may be a little bit slower. But uh, for fuel economy and so forth can save you know an enormous amount of time the big problem the big problem with a diesel and there's been a couple of kind of privateer efforts that um, that have kind of run them on in the past in the past couple of years and a number of different projects one of which caterpillar was involved with um is keeping transmissions and and, and clutches in because of a huge a huge amount of torque that that's actually kind of putting out and kind of you know racing transmissions aren't aren't used to seeing that kind of um um that kind of talk kind of put through it so that's going to be the interesting thing that I'm sure that any time Audi do something they do it properly so I'm sure the new car is already kind of pounding around somewhere in Germany with Tom Christensen and co kind of behind the wheel kind of testing itself and flogging it to death and you know it'll probably turn up just like the R8 did and um, you know probably be very very competitive it will be an interesting technology battle to see the lightweight screaming little P2 um, prototype Porsche going up against kind of this lowing, growling um, D 
Paul, you've uh, obviously clocked up a few flying miles this year, um, not just uh, between um, Europe and, and, and England, but you've been going over to Canada a lot, where I think, uh, believe, the headquarters of Multimatic is, uh, where you've been working with Larry Tate on various... La Larry Tate. What am I saying? Larry Tate. <laughs> Larry Tate. <laughs> the guy from Bewitched. <laughs> Larry Holt. Well... Yeah, he needs a haircut. Um, and, but you've been standing in a bit for uh, for Crusher and the Team Australia project. Yeah, we've done... Uh done kind of quite a few miles kind of back and forth um, across the Atlantic this year, done uh, about eight, uh, eight races, in fact I'm off to, off to Mexico in about, a, uh, in about a month to do the final champ car race, unfortunately um, uh, Crusher and his uh, team of boys from Bear Media based up there on the Gold Coast are going to look after things at the, uh, the Gold Coast Indy, so uh, I, don't get to, uh, I don't get to kind of head down there. I, I think Crusher after all the... Um, uh, all the none so exciting races like kind of Milwaukee and so forth. Not so much that not exciting races, but the not so exciting places. Uh, yeah, you know, we got to go to some some pretty good uh, pretty good events, including all three in Canada, which have been um, a real eye opener this year. Montreal, um, Toronto, and Edmonton. The, the new race in Edmonton had a real Adelaide type feel to it because Edmonton is a similar sized town town to Adelaide and. The whole the whole city just got so behind the race, like it was pouring with rain on on Saturday. Just had terrible weather, and you had sixty thousand people turn up, and the place was packed, and it was absolutely just coming down in buckets. And you know the stands were still full of people watching, pretty much an empty racetrack for most of the day. It was it was kind of quite bizarre, but uh, yeah, certainly clocking up, um, been clocking up a few miles, and uh, you know Charlie, you think back to the old days of kind of going down the Murray Bridge Speedway and thinking that, you know, that was kind of odd, that, you know, driving down there for a couple of hours was pretty long every couple of weeks, but kind of uh, clocking up a few more miles these days. <coughs> Mate, I can relate to uh, to a little bit of what you're doing. I <coughs> got a bit excited one year and decided I wanted to do the Knoxville Nationals and I want to do Eldora and I want to do here and I want to do there and I want to incorporate that with catching up with some of my rallies and so, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's living out of a suitcase. Um, where am I going to today? What's this place look like? How do I get there? Um, should that's not a bad place or it's a dump um, the racing looks like crap or the racing's really good so it's, it's uh, every day is a different day <coughs> it's a bit of an eye opener as to you know different ways of life the way people carry on what you what you think is right and wrong and, and, and the, in the country that you're at or in how people behave and how it conflicts with your ideas it's, it's a whole it's a whole new ball game isn't it? it opens your eyes to to the rest of the world, and and we need to do this sort of thing occasionally, just to keep a check on reality. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, the, the, I I find kind of the biggest thing if you're going to go and do some, going to go and do some uh, some travelling, the greatest invention on the face of the planet is GPS satellite navigation. On the weekend, in the middle, like DIR is in the middle of East Bumble stuff. Virginia kind of thing. It's like <laughs> banjo country kind of thing. You know, you yeah. get lost. You kind of get lost in the woods and never be seen again. Well, I'm sure um, you didn't call it bubble stuff last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was kind of, you know, this is, this is, this is a family program. I, I won't give you the full David Donahue version of. Uh, Just make sure you hire a car with a GPS. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> an, 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 an absolute must. Yeah, Donovan, the airport, and away you go. Well, Paul. Yeah. 
Paul, thanks for talking to us today. And um, I think uh, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, next week we'll be in, in Indy, but in a couple of weeks' time I'd certainly like to catch up with you again and, and maybe explore a bit more um, and, and tell the listeners about uh, sports car racing because it is one of those categories that's happening in all different parts of the world that, that just seems to get under the radar. I said I wasn't going to use that term. Well, there's certainly kind of all sorts of, um, there's all sorts of stuff, you know, at, at Multimatic here we're kind of involved in all sorts of uh, all sorts of different avenues. We get uh, pretty much kind of a who's who of kind of European racing kind of come through here uh, with, with, our, uh, with the four-post rig that, that we've got here, you know, GP2 teams and F3 teams and sports car teams. You know, we've got uh, you know three Formula One customers that we're currently doing dampers and stuff for. Um, you've got all sorts of uh, you know, brand new F3 program we're kind of working on. Um, new Champ Car um, dampers, vehicle dynamic stuff for Newman House and Andretti Green and the IRL. And there's, there's certainly um, uh, certainly a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah, you know, we're even talking to uh, talking to a couple of kind of V8 supercar teams and so forth about kind of various. Uh, various projects including dampers and rig work and, and stuff like that so uh, there's certainly kind of no shortage of um, uh, you, know, you can certainly get your fellow motor racing over here kind of kind of pretty easily uh, even though I pretty much had my fellow cricket and had um, had enough of the poms giving me a hard time over how the ashes kind of turned out I just kind of hope the upcoming rugby tour doesn't uh, doesn't end up the same way so uh, you'll probably be all right Paulie anyway the uh, the one day world uh, Australia versus the rest of the world over here. Yeah, at least we kick the rest yeah. of the world. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. We're, we're giving them a flog on ball. That's okay. Yeah, I, I've never met some uh, uh, such a uh, anti pom pom as you, JP. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I've lived here too long. I'm, I'm glad you're here. All right, Paul, mate. Thanks heaps, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. But before you go, um, what's your uh, guess for tomorrow out of uh, Steve Jobs's pocket? Well. That's, that is going to be an interesting thing. Um, I I think a video iPod is a good idea. I would be surprised that because the Nano has come out and has been such a such a huge huge deal, I would be surprised if I was him. I would have kind of hold hold fire on the video on, on the video iPod. And to be honest, I don't know whether I'd kind of use it much. But what is it then? <laughs> I would think kind of smaller iPods, um, because, the, because of the battery on my thing has kind of gone to hell and back. And we could pay new money for it. I've already spoken to, spoke <laughs> to Dave on iChat and so forth. Kind of, yeah, and this is this is the great thing about, about about technology with like instant messaging and so forth. I can talk to Dave from JP's office because he's such a slacker and never turns his on. That's right. Um, order up some bits for when I come home, for when I come home. Get the new battery in, in my my older kind of original iPod. Um, because it's you know it lasts about kind of five minutes now before it dies because it's been beaten the hell over the last the last four years. Um, you know without picking up a phone or having to send a fax and so forth. No, I, I find that kind of quite amazing. But you know I think probably new iPods, smaller. Um, you know if you can get kind of like an 80 gig iPod down to the size of an iPod Mini maybe. Um, you know that'll be um, you know smaller, tinier kind of little micro drives, but. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Right, sure, uh, I'm sure Mr. Turbinek himself will, <laughs> as, as the invite said, one more and just one more thing. So. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Turtleneck will uh, definitely have us, um, I'm sure, surprised as he always does. Yep. Uh, sometime in the middle of the night and ten o'clock in San Francisco <laughs> time. All right, mate. Look forward to having a beer with you when you're back in Adelaide um, in sometime in December, or if we don't catch up earlier, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Sure do. Thanks, Good mate. Good to talk to you, Paul. Good to talk to you, Paul.